the last second notice, I'm, there's one pasuk that comes to mind when I think about what, I, what I'm feeling is that we say every morning in Pesukei de Zimra, Yismach Lev Mevakshei Hashem. Happy is the heart, happy is the heart that is searching for Hashem. doesn't say Yismach Lev Motzei Hashem. doesn't say happy is the heart who finds Hashem. But happy is the heart that's searching for Hashem. And all that Tzadikim explained that, that that kind of means that it's, it's, this, it's the Simcha that you're going to find in the journey and not in the destination. And there are a million things I could say about, about uh, our, our, our dear, dear Chaver and guest that's with us this morning. But that David is always looking to see where Hashem is. Not just because he's hiding, but because in everything that's in front of us, there's an opportunity to meet, to meet a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Everywhere, in any given situation. And personally, this is for me such a big schut, a big treat. This is like, I was thinking about it. David, you really are my first teacher of Torah. You really are. My, my family moved to Los Angeles, back to LA when I was 16, in the middle of high school, completely in nowhere's land. And my father got this job in the shul in Beth Jacob. And um, first Shabbos I was there, I heard, I heard pounding coming from a, a lower level in the shul. And it was this whole minion, this chavra that, um, that became my family. And, hey beans. And um, you were the first person that I saw that talked to my heart in, in Talmud Torah. And that a Talmud Torah wasn't about like a nice word, it was like a real thing. It's a real thing, it's a real way of living. And you've been such an inspiration to me and to thousands for so long. And I'm so happy, I'm so excited, I'm so thankful you made it out here yeah. to be with us this yeah. morning. Love you so much. <laughs> So uh, I, I give a, a weekly talk, and I always start the, the same way. And I, I always say, I'm glad you're here, right? But, I, I, so, but I'm glad I'm here. So <laughs> it's so good to be in Israel. And, you know, um, I, don't, I don't know why this story comes to mind, but uh, I'll tell it anyway. I remember um, when I first started going to Minion out in, in, in Los Angeles, uh, I was so happy because I got, I'm a Levi, I, I got the Levi Aliyah like every single time and I was like, oh, this is great, you know. And then uh, at a certain point I realized I was the only Levi there. So, <laughs> and, and so the, the, the day that I realized that, I was like, okay, so it's not such a big deal. So I get the Levi Aliyah every time, I'm the only Levi. And that time it just happens to be another Levi showed up and then he got the Aliyah. And so I, I thought about that for a long time, and I realized, you know something? Just because you get something every single day, it doesn't make it any less of a gift. And that was a, it, it was a big lesson to me. And so the reason why I'm saying this to you is because it's like, you don't need to hear it from me, believe me, but, but uh, it's such a gift to, for me to be in the land, and how much more so for you guys who are living in the land. And... Um, it's, we're going to talk about this some more as, as the talk goes on, but it's so easy, you know, re, re, this world, this dimension is so sticky. It's so, it's so easy to sort of like be able to just think that, you know, this is normal. And, and it's not normal. It's not normal for anyone to be here. It's like, it's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing miracle. So you guys um, just, you know, just uh, thank you. Just, yeah. I'm sorry? Oh, oh yeah, okay. So, <laughs> I'm in one hour. 
I, I'll be done by then for sure. Um, <laughs> okay. No, it's all good. It's all good. So, so I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the eyes. I want to talk about the heart, and um, I want to talk about the miraglim. And um, and what the best phone plan is. Just help. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, so uh, let, let's talk with the with the whole spies because you know the truth is into the into the next week already it still has the hashpa the, the the spiritual light from the previous parsha. So I don't know if we're exactly still in parsha shlach, but we're, we're we're still adjacent, and it's meaningful to me because. You know, when I was in Los Angeles last Shabbos, I was like, I can't believe it. It's sort of like I haven't been to Israel in years, and I'm going like like Motzei Barsha Shlach. I can't believe it, you know? And so it's, our lives are always like, whatever's going on in the Torah, like Rabbi Moshe Wolfson Shlita says it so beautifully, that God takes the letters of the week's Parsha, and he takes the letters of the Parsha, and he weaves them together into the fabric of reality. Right? So whatever is going, that's, that's, a, that's a prettier way of saying, a deeper way of saying that whatever is going on in the Torah is going on in the world. But like this is even, even deeper, right? He's taking the letters and weaving them together. So that's always the case, but sometimes it's more revealed. So here it was like so revealed. It's like the spies are going in, I'm going in. <laughs> like whatever they did, I better, I better not do, you know? So I got to be like really, really careful. So, so I'm thinking about this a lot. And some freaky things happened, you know? Like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. As I was landing, as I was landing, I didn't tell you this, but as I was landing, you know, you've all had this experience probably. You don't get your date or your emails or your texts or whatever it is. And then when you land, all of a sudden your pocket starts buzzing because, like, they all start coming down, right? You know what I'm talking about? So I, as, I'll tell you the kavanas that I had as I was touching ground, but... We'll get to it later in the talk. I don't want to give away the whole talk right now. So, so I was having whatever these kavanas in mind as I'm hitting the ground, and I'm thinking about you know the spies. I'm thinking about going into the land and everything like this. And I, my phone buzzes. You know all the texts come down. This is right as I'm landing. I look at my phone. Uh, someone who I haven't been in touch with for at least a year. And even when we're in touch, we're not in touch. So this is really like, you know, this is like, it's, a, it's a, rare, a rare occurrence to hear from this guy at all. And I haven't heard from him in quite a while. It's from him that I've gotten a text, right? And you know what, you know what the text says? It says, are you going to be in Los Angeles on Tisha B'Av? So... What's the relevance of Tisha B'av? Like, all I'm thinking about is the spies, right? Tisha B'av is when they came back, the day they came back and they gave the bad report. So here it is, it's not, it's, how long is it till Tisha B'av? 40 days. So, so, 40 days. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm getting this text, he's asking about it. I mean, this was before 40 days already, because I've been here for a few days already. So I'm thinking, like, what's, what, what does that mean, right? Like, it's so scarily on point and so out of the blue. What does this mean? So I was rifling through a bunch of different possible interpretations. And this one didn't come to me immediately, but I like this interpretation. So I'm just going to share this with you, which is 
you know, everybody knows like Tishabov has like a bad name because it's like you hear the words Tishabov, you get scared, right? Because Tishabov, right? But Tishabov is just a date on the calendar. It just means the ninth of Av. And we know that it's going to be like the greatest holiday, right? So there's nothing inherently bad about the ninth of Av. In fact, in the deepest, deepest way, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest, greatest, greatest days, right? If not the greatest day, right? Our, our rabbis teach that Mashiach is born on Tishabov. So, so are you going to be in Los Angeles on Tishabov? Like, do you really, maybe you'll be in Yerushalayim. Maybe Tishabov will be the greatest celebration in the entire world. Like, where are, you, where, where, where are you holding right now in terms of can God do anything at any moment? Right? Because the Geula can come like that. You know, I heard in the name of the Shemishmul something so beautiful, which is that a lot of times, and I think maybe this is, this is maybe true for living in Israel as well, a lot of times people, they look at the world, and if they see, like, if it, if it doesn't feel so good, like the energy doesn't feel so good, they go, no, it's, it's not coming now. It's not coming now, right? But it's more than that because basically that's a faulty barometer on what's going on in the newspapers because there's a accumulated schus, accumulated merit of all of the generations for thousands of years. That's the real story. That's the real barometer. And then one mitzvah. That's why they say any mitzvah, anyone's mitzvah at any time. And I heard with my own ears, Rav Shlomo Karlbach say this many, many times. Who knows that it's not going to be the prayer from a drunk lying in the gutter that's going to bring Mashiach. I heard him say that several times. So in other words, that's when we have to think about it, we have to, we have to understand that we're at the precipice of the, of the culmination of all of history right now. And okay, so it's a good headline, it's not such a good headline. That's not the story, right? It could be at any moment. But really, but really. Okay, so here's the question. Let's, let's actually, like, really actually begin right now. Here's the question. The question is, what happens when you see something with your eyes that you don't understand? And this is, I mean, you talk about the heart of the human condition, what could be more relevant and more central to all of our lives? What happens when you look at something, you see something, you experience something, and you don't understand what it is? What happens? What do you do? Where do you go emotionally? Where do you go in terms of your amuna? You know, I, I was speaking with Rabbi uh, Smiles beforehand, and he said something that triggered this idea. I talk about loving God a lot, right? But you know something? It, it, it came to me, which is that before you love God and before we can even get to that, you have to figure out if you like God. <laughs> so, like, a lot of times, we're dealing with this level over here, but wait a second, let's, let's get to the ground floor for a moment. You know, let's be real in terms of a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Do you like God? Because you can't love Him until you like Him. <laughs> So maybe, maybe, maybe that's something we're thinking about a little bit, you know? So, so, so here's the thing. You see, the spies saw something with their eyes. And you know, I don't know if, if I told you ever, but, but your brother, Eitan, 
told me this years and years and years ago. I've never forgotten it, and it blows my mind every time we get to this parsha, which is that, you know, we're always calling the spies the Maraglim, right? The Maraglim this, the Maraglim that. So Eitan told me one time, he said, do you know in Parsha Shlach the word Maraglim is never used? And I, I haven't stopped thinking about that since he said it. The word Maraglim, spies, is not used in Parsha Shlach. And all we talk about, if there's one word that we use over and over again in terms of Parsha, this Parsha, it's the Maraglim. It's, it's not used. It's not, it doesn't appear in the Parsha. Where does it appear? Very, very interesting. Where does it appear? When Yosef is talking to his brothers, they, they come to him, and remember, Yosef is still in disguise, and he accuses them of being Maraglim, of being spies. Now, what, what happened with the Maraglim? What was the problem? They only saw the outside of the land. They just saw the land on a superficial level. They didn't see the depth of the land's goodness, right? So with that in mind, I want to suggest the following which is that what was Yosef saying to his brothers? Why was he calling them Miraglim? Because he was telling them, you're only seeing the outside of me. If you knew who I really was, you would never do such a thing. So this year, like a few days ago, but I got a new thought in this, which is that he was also calling them Miraglim as Lechavschus. Like, wait a second, how can you call anyone, <laughs> like, how can you use that term in a good way? Like, wait a second. Because he wanted to excuse them. He says, you know why you're treating me this way? Because you only saw the outside of me. <laughs> Had you seen the inside of me, you never would have done this. Right? So, so I heard from Reb Shlomo, he said in the name of the Zohar, what I think to this day might be the scariest Torah that I've ever heard in my whole life. He said that the, the Miraglim stood, they looked at the land, and they saw rivers of blood coming out of the land. And they saw every bad thing that was ever going to happen to the Jewish people, except for one thing, that it was all going to be because of them. Which is like, oh. you know, you can just like, okay, game over, thanks for coming, guys. You know, <laughs> you got your money's hurt right there. You know, if you haven't heard that thought yet. I mean, it's like... And then Rip Shlomo continued. He said, and I never will forget this phrasing that he used. He said that the spies looked into the heavenly bank account of the Jews and that they, they saw that we didn't have enough merit to, to go into the land. And now listen to this. Then Rip Shlomo said, but what they didn't understand was that God wanted to give it to us as a gift. Right? So the truth is, is that we're all dominating for all sorts of things. And, and, we, and, and, and we think maybe we're not worthy. And you know what the truth is? It's possible we really aren't worthy. But you know what? Maybe God wants to just give it to us as a gift anyway. So just, you know, you always have that to hold on to. You say, please, God, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not being modest. It's true. I'm not, I'm not worthy. But please, God, give it to me as a gift anyway. Okay, so, so we know that there were funerals going on in the land all the time. And that, that, that was something that, that was a special gift that Hashem gave to the spies that the people of the land are going to be busy, 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 and that they're not going to bother them. They're not going to, okay, but, but again, we're human beings. How is it possible to go into a land and to see only funerals going on and to say anything other than 
This is a land that devours its people. Like, how can anyone pass such a test? So I was learning with someone in L.A., and, and, and we, we came up with this thought, and it was very exciting to me, because I've been sort of like bothered by that question for a long time. How can anyone have passed that test? So if you look at the words of, um, if you look at the Rashi, Hashem, or Moshe says to um, the spies, are there trees or ain or not? And the Rashi on that is, is there a tzaddik, basically, in the land whose schus will protect the people? And they say that was Eov, Job, right? So, so, so I want to make an extrapolation from that, which is that he already told them, if, there's, if the tzaddik is not in the land, if the tree, a person's compared to a tree, right? If the, if the great tree, if the great tzaddik is not in the land, then that means that you guys are going to be able to take over the land all the time. So with that in mind, if they're seeing funerals, that was Hashem telling them, don't worry. <laughs> Anyone with any schus has gone, nothing is going to stand in your way. So now, at least I have a, as far, at least I, I have a way now of understanding how it could be that they could have seen that and it wouldn't have been a, a, a steer, a challenge to their amun or their faith at all. Okay, but now we have to go deeper. Because, because the reality is, is that seeing isn't such a simple process. So here's how the rabbis say it. I'm going to give you the classical way of understanding it, but then we're going to go deeper. The classical way of understanding it is the eyes see, right? The heart desires, and then it says the body does its thing, you know? The body goes after that. So the eyes see, that comes first, and then the heart desires. And this is how most of us understand this. But if you actually look in the Torah, what does it say? It says, Velosa suru, don't travel after, don't, don't, don't stray after, travel after. Achare levavchem, it puts the heart first, v'yachare enechem, and then it puts the eyes only second. Well, wait a second, I thought everybody knows this like for forever. The eyes see and the heart's desire, and then the heart desires. But the Torah itself is telling you, don't stray after the heart first or after the eyes so the heart is coming first so now let's put it all together this is a very very this is a life changing Torah for me anyway if the heart doesn't desire the eyes don't see if the heart doesn't desire the eyes don't see so how does the Parsha end it ends with this big fixing of the eyes, the mitzvah of tzitzis. So tzitzis, it says you look at the tzitzis and it reminds you to keep the Torah. But then I was thinking about it a little bit more. Does, is your seeing only contingent on your eyes? What did we just say? It's really about the heart. So you know the tzitzis has four corners and on each corner, there are eight strands. So four times eight is 32, which is lev. So the tzitzis, it's fixing the eyes, but it's the gematria lev. <laughs> In other words, how does it fix your eyes? Because it's fixing your heart. 
So if we want to fix our eyes, we have to fix our heart. And how do you fix your heart? So then the question is, what do you love most in the world? Isn't it interesting? What's, what, what, what do we do with our tzitzis during davening? We, we, we put them up, and we're kissing them, we're kissing them, we're kissing them, we're kissing them. In other words, that's all about the desire of the heart. And the tzitzis, everybody knows that tzitzit works out with all the knots and the strains and everything like that to 613. So in other words, we're taking the mitzvahs, and you're supposed to, you wrap it up, and I was taught that while, while you're kind of saying the Shema, you put it over your heart. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, it's supposed to be a fixing of the eyes, but you're putting it over your heart because we're fixing, we are fixing our eyes, but first we have to fix our heart. And then what are we doing? We're kissing, 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 kissing. Right? Because how your heart goes is what direction your desire is going in. And now we get back to the initial question. Before you love God, you got to like Him. <laughs> right? You know, one of my favorite holidays, just because I, I just love the weirdness of it, is Shmini Atzeris. So... My wife always makes fun of me because she says that when I first started, I work in Hollywood and stuff like that. And so she, she, would, she likes to tell people how I would tell my bosses who don't know Olive Days, you know, that, oh, I can't go to work today because it's Shmini Atzeris. And they're like, what did you just say? I mean, are those even words? Like, what, what is that? Like, you know, like, I don't understand. So, so Shmini Atzar is like, really, I love that because everybody knows that it's a separate holiday. You have Sukkot, that's one holiday, and then you have a separate holiday called Shmini Atzeris. Now, Shmini Atzeris is, it's the eighth day. So can I ask you something? Eight, and it's a brand new holiday. Let's say you walk into a building, and, but there's no floors one through seven. <laughs> How do you enter a building? On the eighth floor. How, how do you do it? How do you love God if you don't like Him first? <laughs> My wife tries to fix up people, do shidduchim and things like that. By the way, I just saw it's in, it's in Gomorrah Shabbos, I think it's on page 31, that one of the questions were asked in heaven by the heavenly court at the end of our lives is, did we try to, you know, make families, you know, have children. And I saw the, the note in the art scroll Talmud there, and it said, were you, one of the pshatim, one of the, one of the uh, ways of understanding that is, did you try to make shidduchim? Did you engage in shidduchim for other people so that families would be created and then children would be born? So I had always heard it either, whether the question is, did you have children or did you at least try to have children? But now this is even a step further back. Did you try to have help other people have children? So that's 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 a question will be asked all of us. So so my wife often you know like if people are talking to her, they went out on a date and they don't know is this like is this the person? I don't know if this is the person or whatever it is. And she would say, "Did you have a good time?" And then the person says, "I had a good time." So she said, keep on going out with them till you don't have a good time. 
right? Because everyone's too busy deciding whether they love the person before they get a chance to like the person. <laughs> By the way, it's an aside, but I'll tell you anyway. I don't know if it'll apply to any of you, but remember it and tell a friend because it, this is helpful to some people. If you're too mystical, it's very hard to get married. <laughs> Because everyone's looking for every sign under the sun and, and this and that. And just decide if you like the person first. You know, start there, start there. Um, so, 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 so how do we start with God, you know? How do we start with God to decide, like to build that relationship with God? And I think that the... I think that the, for me, like, let's just cut right to it, okay? If you want, if we want to fix our hearts, the primary way to do it, I think, this is me talking, you can take it or leave it, but I, I feel this very strongly, is you have to know in your heart that God is good. And I can't overstate the importance of that. You have to know with every fiber of your being that God is good. You know, I heard from Reb Shlomo one time, something like, if you catch me on certain days, I won't be able to get this teaching out without crying, but I think I can do it right now. Which is, uh, apparently, the last moments of Reb Tzadok Akoyin's life, um, he was going like this. And they asked him, what are you doing? And I guess he had learned this, that there was some Masor from Avraham ben Avraham, the Gert Sedek. And apparently he was doing the same thing before he died. And they asked him, what are you doing? And he said, I just want to make sure that the, the Torah is entered into every, every fiber of my being. Right? So... So if we want to fix our heart, which we have to do in order to fix our, our eyes, in order to live the lives that we need to live and accomplish what we need to accomplish, I think the primary thing is we have to know in our heart that God is good. And you know, I, I want to say a shot on, 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 on a famous mission in Perkeavos. You know, there's a debate. What's the best quality that a person should have? It's a good eye. No, 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 it's a good friend. No, 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 it's a good neighbor. No, 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 it's someone who understands the consequences of his action. No, 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 it's a good heart. And they say, no, 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 that's the answer. It's a good heart because everything is contained within that, a good heart. But then I want to know, how do I have a good heart? What's a good heart? So I want to say a good heart, you have a good heart if you know in your heart that God is good. If you know in your heart that God is good with every fiber of your being, that, that, that's what it means to have a good heart. You see, I have to tell you something. Like It sounds, I'm afraid that what I'm saying is sounding very, very simple and very, very obvious. But I promise you it isn't. It really isn't. Because I can't tell you how many people there are who, you see, you can, you can believe in, in, a, in God. You can even call that God Hashem. You can even say there's nothing in the world other than Hashem. You can even say Hashem gave us the Torah and that every single letter in the Torah, every crown of every letter is directly from Hashem and then, but not believe that God is good. 
there are a lot of people like this. Or they're still designing. Maybe yes, maybe no. We'll see if I get that job. See what happens with this. Jury's out. Is God good? Jury's out. Are you doing the mitzvahs? Absolutely. You believe in God? I believe in God so much. But I don't know if that's Judaism. I mean, you can... We all have struggles, and we all go up and down. But I'm just talking about as a tenant of faith. As a tenant of faith. To, to strive to be there, at least. But I think this is absolutely one of the basic tenets of Judaism. And that without this, we, we might be doing the whole Torah, but I don't know if we can call it really Judaism. It's so central, and it's so transformative. You know, this is a heavy story, but I heard it from Reb Shlomo, and it's around the subject. I apologize if this isn't a good story, but I just... How far does it go, you know? So the sons of Rebbe lost a child, and he's walking to the Leviah, and he's just... I don't... I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it, what it means, but apparently he just was just in this place of great vacuskite, you know, great love with Hashem. And someone came up to him and said, how, after what just happened, how can you be in this state of mind? And he said, well, I'll tell you. He says, I feel like someone just gave me the hardest blow to the back. And I turned around like, who did that? And I saw it was from my best friend in the entire world. So how can I be upset? I went through a, the hardest, a very, very hard time not so long ago. Not, not on the level that I just described, believe me. It was, you know, a honeymoon compared to something like that. But for me, in my own life, from my own experience, it was a very, very hard time. And I got through it, thank God. And I was talking to myself afterwards, and I was saying, how, David, how did, you, how did you get through it? How did you get through it? And an answer came out of my mouth, and I, I didn't even think, I, I just heard myself say these words, which was, I never stop believing 1,000% in the goodness of God. This is a conversation I was having with myself. So, I never heard it in this context before. I'm sure you've heard this teaching, but I never heard it said this way before. You know, lave, lamed vez, right? Lave, like your heart, is lamed is the last letter of the Torah and vez is the first letter of the Torah. Right? And what is, what's going on with your heart? Your heart is this like circulatory system. It's pumping, it's pumping blood throughout your entire body. And what's going on with the lays, the, the lamed and the vez, right? It's like the circulatory system of the whole Torah. It's like you finished and then it goes back. Finished and then it goes back. See, you know what one of the problems is, one of the biggest obstacles is, is that we've decided we know God. 
Rabbi Shlomo used to say all the time, why are you making God so small? He would say it all the time, why are you making God so small? And I heard him say another time that, you know, in the Garden of Eden, when did, when we ate from the tree of knowledge, when we ate from the tree of knowledge, death came down into the world. Okay? So he said that a lot of times the death of a relationship is when you decide that you know the other person. My, my dad was a psychologist and um, Oliver Shalom, and he had this very interesting thing. He became like, like really good friends with all of his patients. <laughs> and for years, you know, like he would have coffee with them and everything like that. And so I, I moved out to California and then he said, oh, you know, go and go and stay with this person, you know, who is a former patient and like a very interesting guy, like very, very colorful guy. Anyway, it's not such a happy story, but but um, we didn't mention any names, so it's okay. Anyway, he was there with his, his girlfriend, and um, they, it was, it was, I, I was staying with him like at the end of their relationship, and they were fighting a lot, and it was like, it was, it was very awkward. And um, I'll never forget this. I was in the car with her, and he was walking toward the car, and there was like real like animosity between them. And she said to me, she didn't, she had just met me, really. I mean, I'd been in the house a day, maybe. She, was, she said, look, he's going to touch his nose. He's going to touch his nose. You're going to see. He's going to touch his nose. He's walking toward the car. He's going to touch his nose. <laughs> he's going to, you see, just look. He never touched his nose. <laughs> <laughs> But she knew him so well, right? But apparently not. But she knew him so well. Death, 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 death. But if we're still discovering each other, if we're still discovering each other, that is, that's, that's the honeymoon period. But the honeymoon period never has to end. So us and God, I mean, how, you know, when Reb Shlomo married my wife and I, and one of the brachas that he gave us by the chuppah was, I bless you that you should always surprise each other. Right? Because what's the opposite of knowing, knowing in heavy quotation marks? Being surprised. So does anyone surprise us on a regular basis more than God? (laughs) But we gotta love it, right? <laughs> I, I, no, you, I had no idea that it was gonna, I thought the deal was gonna come today. It, it, it seems like it's not gonna come at all. What a surprise! <laughs> I thought you were gonna be here three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's what keeps something alive you know again I want to make sure that we're on track here talking about fixing our eyes but we can't fix our eyes unless we fix our heart and we can't fix our heart unless we know God is good 
And we can't know that God is good unless we're enjoying this relationship. And how do you enjoy this relationship? By not bringing death into the relationship. How do you do that? By not knowing. Because if you don't know, then it's just like, this is like, oh, this is like, ah. Okay, that means we're winding down. <laughs> uh, I... I'll tell you a surprise that I just had. There was, I met really one of the most colorful, eccentric, you know, guys in the world. I had just started keeping Shabbos. I really didn't know anything at all, you know. I was in an airport and then someone was collecting money and this was in Los Angeles. This was, I think, 30 years ago, maybe a little longer. And this person was collecting money and then he, he, he gave me a, 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 a tefillah sederah with um, the Baba Sali on it, and I gave him a little money, and then, and then I, I was benching, and then he came back to me and he asked me some more questions, and I didn't know what to do because I was in the middle of benching, and so I answered him, and then he started yelling at me, how can you talk in the middle of benching? <laughs> <laughs> so a guy like that, you don't forget, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, this was more than 30 years ago, and I kept that, that tefillah sederif in my wallet. And you know, it was laminated, and you know when you have something that's old and laminated, it starts to separate and peel and crinkle, and this thing is like, really, like, ancient looking. And then it would disappear for years, and I would open up a drawer, and there it would be, and I was so happy to find it again, you know, because it would remind me of this guy. Anyway, this guy is really kind of old at this point, and he, 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 I just saw him in Los Angeles. And I, I see him every few years. I just saw him in Los Angeles and I was able to give him a little bit of money. And then I saw him for the last time and I was running to Mincha and he was in a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair. And I thought, uh, I got to get to Mincha. You know, I gave him money a little while ago. Okay, so I'm not giving it to him this time. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I was wondering, is this might be the last time I see him. I was like, okay. Okay, whatever it is. So, as I'm driving here, Rabbi Smile says, we're early. Um, you want to go to Kever Rachel? <laughs> There's certain questions if you say no to, you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> he also asked me if I want to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning tomorrow morning to Davin Vasekin by the Kotel. Co co and I'm, I wasn't ready to say yes, but I couldn't say no. <laughs> So, so we go into Kever Rachel and, um, you know, and I see someone bent over like his, like his, I could hardly tell his face. He was bent over in a wheelchair. This morning it was him. And, and he's asleep. And I'm trying to, is it him? <laughs> because it's like, that's not the, a lot of people sort of look like that, you know, it's like. And I was like, it's definitely him, it's definitely him. So I thought, you know, I know him this long, I want to give him some money. He won't mind if I wake him up. So I, I put my hand on his shoulder, give him a shit. And he looks up, he gives me this big smile. And, and I, was, I was able to give that tzedakah that I wanted to give in Los Angeles. And I did see him again. And, and it was a nice surprise. It was a nice surprise. And, you know, 
One of the nicest things that anyone ever said to me, it was my birthday, and I, I told this person, very righteous woman, I told her, it's my birthday, and she said, David, you have no idea how many good things Hashem is waiting to give you. And I thought, oh, I never thought of it like that before. So all of us, to all of you, you have no idea how many things Hashem is just waiting to give you. Good things, good things, good things. And they'll, they'll, and be surprised, but don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised because God is good. But be surprised because you're in a living, active relationship with the one who not only loves you the most, the one who likes you the most. <laughs> And Hashem should bless us that we should be able to, to give our heart and our desire to Hashem. Because, again, everything, the eyes go after the heart. And the heart is built on that love, on that desire. And, you know, ultimately it's how much do you, do you, do you, do you want that thing? How much do you want to serve God? And I'll just end with this, which is just that... Um, um, Really, the foundation of my entire Jewish education was, was stories about the tzaddikim. And I didn't understand why they were so important and why they touched me as much as they did. But I realized that, that um, the foundation that I was being given over was how beautiful it is to want to serve God so much, to have the desire to serve God so much. And that's, that's really what the tzaddikim give us. They're role models of, of look what you can want and look what you can constantly strive for. And, um, and I, I, I saw it surprised me because, you know, the Kutzka Rebbe is known as being so... But, but I saw in a book recently, it said how he became a chassid. He said that there was an older chassid in his shul. He wasn't a chassid at the time. And he said that this older chassid told Hasidic story after Hasidic story. He talked and he talked and the Kutzka Rebbe said, and I listened and I listened. You know? So to think that what made the Kutzka Rebbe, right? Which is all about not playing games, right? It's all about Bederach Emes. It's not about no games. And what made him a chassid was Hasidic stories about tzaddikim? Yeah, but now it makes perfect sense because that's the foundation of desire. That's the foundation of desire. And ultimately, that's what it all goes after. Okay. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Yeah.